Hello and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, March 14th, 2021. Happy Pi Day, everybody. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, law student, and your host for this podcast. Oh my gosh. It's nice to be back after a short break that we took. Um, I'm joined as always by my lovely friend and producer, Ross Wiseman. Hello, Ross. That's me. I'm back. I don't know if you noticed, but I have a slightly different haircut now. Hmm. Oh, I do notice it now. Now I'm sad I didn't notice it before. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, well, I guess uh, what a birthday gift from you, uh, Hannah. Oh, okay. Starting Happy late episode, birthday. <laughs> starting at, out the episode strong, we're also joined once again by our comedian correspondent, no label, Max Barth. Hello. Hey, hi. I need a haircut, but I haven't gotten one. Great. And oh no, what what's this? Another guest? Oh my god, guys, it's Blake Wexler. Thank you. May the fourth be with you. I just stole a joke that Max told off air and uh, I used it. it is, and I didn't provide context with it because I don't know how comedy works anymore. But it is yeah. it's great to be here. Thank you. I was actually gonna get a haircut uh in my home from my lovely girlfriend before this, and the buzzer that we were gonna use didn't work. So I, I mm. shaved my sideburns down. But the rest of my hair is still as long as it would be. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll oh, yeah. post it. We'll it looks post. normal. Yeah. I'm auctioning. Uh, I'm actually auctioning them off on your Patreon. Your sideburns? So, yes. Do yeah. it. Maybe we'll get some more traffic to the page. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. And we're going to be doing, um, instead of our usual like three longish stories, we're going to do five shorter stories because we just uh, we got thoughts on things. So first, We're going to talk about what's happening at the U.S.-Mexico border currently right now, whether you want to call it a crisis or not, shit's going down. Number two, we're going to talk about the Meghan Markle interview. Oh, baby. Bombshell. Oprah. (laughs) Prince Harry. These are sound bites about our segment. Um, Number three, Blake's going to tell us a little bit about this whole issue of vaccine line jumping. If you're a listener and you're doing it, ew, you suck. Uh, number four, Max, Max, this is Max's segment. We got to like get you like a, we have SCOTUS notice where we talk about us, the Supreme court. Yeah. So we, I like we that. a segment title. The Max, that was, the Max facts. Ooh, That's Max good. facts. Okay. Facts, for Max, with facts with Max. Um, we're talking about Senator Ron Johnson saying some dumb shit, speaking opposite of facts, speaking exactly. nonsense. Um, and then finally, we're going to close on this Big ass stimmy. I don't know why I'm swearing so much in the intro, but it is off putting. But it I'm is, gonna <laughs> it is very off putting. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping through the curse words. <laughs> final story, closing headlining story is the big ass stimulus bill that just got passed this week. It's a really remarkable piece of legislation. What a nerdy thing to say, but wow, we should talk about it. So without further ado, let's do it. story the border situation crisis experience whatever you want to call it um that's happening at the u.s mexico border so if you don't know right now there's a significant increase in the amount of migrants that have tried to seek asylum from central america into the u.s and i feel like i believe what biden like that he meant what he said about you know immigration reform Um, but I don't think that they really planned in advance before his transition or like, I think some of this was foreseeable. However, the numbers are so high, like even at the peak border crisis, uh, several years ago, it was like, uh, 2,600, I think. And right now it's 3,700 people of children are in these facilities because they've had all these children like wandering over the border. Um, and the white house press secretary, Jen Psaki said that, Um, You know, they were trying to prioritize like the humanitarian concerns because um, like regarding processing the unaccompanied children and, um, you know, they didn't have enough facilities. So it's not like nothing has come out, at least to my knowledge, about the the, like um, condition of the facilities being I mean, I'm sure it's bad, but like I'm, I'm sure being they're the really level, good. Being the <laughs> level of cages is what I'm right. trying to say. Like nothing's come out like that, but it's obviously like a huge issue. And so 
I guess Biden has not called it a crisis, but he like dispatched FEMA and they're going to be trying to, they have like the reinstated the camps that they had set up, which are apparently way more expensive than opening new facilities, but they're trying to do what they can temporarily. So, I mean, that's the facts that I have for you about the border crisis. And my one little piece of opinion that like maybe Biden wasn't as prepared for what would happen when he took office. And like, even though, anyway, any thoughts, guys? None. No, I do think that this is one of the worst guests ever. No thoughts. Um, <laughs> is Megan Merkel is at our borders? I'm not listening to anything that you're saying. Um, is that what's happening? She's there. Uh, I I think this is like one of the. I mean, I'm not sure what whether Biden prioritized like the stimulus bill over this or the other thing, you know, like during his transition, his first time. Oh, for days. sure. But, um, whatever, wherever this was on the priority list, like I obviously can't speak to that, but I think there's a dangerous thing in the way people speak about things. And this was like a conservative thing, you know, even before uh, the whole, like before the election where calling like the migrant caravan, you know, like just calling things, these silly fucking phrases totally dehumanizes what it actually is. So when you picture, they kept saying like, oh, a migrant caravan is approaching this. Wait, this I didn't say that in my. No, 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 you didn't. Oh, you didn't. No, oh I was sorry. like, what? Okay, now, Hannah, when you use this phrase, it, I, th I thought yeah, you took these people. Yeah, no, off <laughs> camera. You were mouthing it. You were mouthing it and writing it down on paper and holding it up. Uh, I was like, wait, why is this coming up? Did I say that? Okay, sorry. Continue. You were winking uh, while holding up a, a piece of paper <laughs> that says migrant caravan. Um. But it was a phrase that was used to like refer to this group of immigrants oh God, coming. Yeah. And when you hear the phrase migrant caravan, you picture like a weird van. Like you don't picture human beings. You picture this wobbly, like amorphous, like object approaching, but it's people. And I think now you're reminded that just because, you know, that evil fuck is out of office, it doesn't mean that everything is good again like where you do still have this problem and oh, now we yeah. need to see this new administration deal with it and just actually yeah because like you said the amount of kids that are there that's not dropping it's you know um so yeah like while i think i just think like the dehumanization of these yeah. immigrants is like a really bad thing there i went out on a limb i said it no it is i think you're right and i also think that um we are at a point too where like there is like Trump is out of office, but there's so much stuff that happened while he was in there that like, mm -hmm. it would be impossible within however long he's been president for Joe Biden to have like rolled everything back and undid everything he did. Actually, that's what Nancy Pelosi said in an interview. She was like, yo, he inherited this insane thing, which like, of course it's all political, but yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with you that it's like, um, the rise in migrants coming to America has been happening, like even when Trump was still president, which is remarkable. But it's the increase in children that's like so um, upsetting. I, yeah, I was going to yeah. say upsetting and so recent is mm -hmm. what I was right. I'm sorry. Too. Yeah. But yes, it is upsetting. So um, I, if we any other last thoughts before we're, we move on I, to our next story? I, I just going to say I, I saw that. Um... The uh, press briefing from the White House, and they were responding to, I guess the governor of Texas is kind of like demagoguing a bunch of this stuff. And I don't know, I mean, th there are concerns. It seems like there are concerns about the coronavirus and how, whether the, what the policy is in terms of testing people and stuff. Obviously, you know, people should just be given immediate health care that's free at the point of access. But that's, you know, <laughs> but um, so I mean, it's just interesting. We're in this, we're in this weird period where, um, I think both sides or rather all sides it's it's a, the few months in the beginning of a president's term where there are actually some governance going on and you can see sort of they're trying to position in terms of how they're going to play various issues for the midterms and stuff so just politically mm -hmm. speaking it's interesting the relative silence around this issue um is is probably bad for for the people that need help that are in that situation right but i, I think it does illustrate how much of like the sort of day-to-day -day political narrative is driven by um by midterms or by the elections or something and we're seeing the big difference between having uh, at least in terms of communications um between having trump in office who would have already been saying 
those terms and trying to gin up donations and all that stuff versus Biden, who appears, at least on the surface, to be trying to take it, you know, seriously, which is, I guess, quote unquote, boring. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I hope those people get the, the care they need. And um, yeah, you know, same. it's crazy. I, I also just watched this documentary last night. I think it just came out this past week where there's these two immigrants from Zamunda that are trying to enter the United States and, <laughs> and take someone with them back to their country. And I thought <laughs> I thought it was great. It's called Coming to America with like uh-huh. a, a number two in it. It's a great documentary. Amazon <laughs> Prime. Can I plug Amazon Prime on here? Because <laughs> I'm you, going to. If you must. Yeah. Um that's really funny. I was, as soon as you said that, like, where's he going with that? Because <laughs> once again, guys, take a shot because Hannah does not get references until they are very explicitly clear. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next segment. Oprah, Megan, and Harry dropping bombs. Okay, guys. Uh, let's talk about it. I watched the entire interview. These, these three hooligans revealed to me that they all read about it extensively. Yeah. Well, it, it's really cool that, uh, Megan and Harry admitted that they're the two people, uh, under the masks in Daft Punk. <laughs> That's huge. I didn't hear about that. That's great. Yeah, That makes sense. If you go back and listen though, you can hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we ha- we talked about Megan and Harry actually their their Megxit as the British tabloids called it on our first episode. So, brief reminder: they left the royal at, to be working royals. They were like, "We're good. This is we're gonna just do our own thing." And then like it got it escalated. Like suddenly their son wasn't gonna be given like security and all this stuff. So they tell their side of it, and of course, like the tabloids were all very critical of Megan, very racist toward her people, you know, um, women in parliament in England had like come out and signed this. I don't know if it was like a bill or a resolution, like acknowledging the racist attacks that the British media, you know, who's already known for British paparazzi aren't known for great stuff, you know? So the fact that they were it was kind of heaped on. So it was just a very interesting interview for, uh, for many reasons. One, I think Oprah did a great job and it's like interesting to watch her interview someone. And I think like you forget what that, that like, that's how yeah. she, it, she's that's famous why she's so famous because she's mm-hmm. so good at interviews. Like, um, so I thought that was really good. Um, you know, several times like pressed them on things when she felt like it was important, but then like pulled back when she didn't. So the biggest, like most shocking revelations, um, were just specific like instances of racism like against Megan and also just the way you know the theme of kind of her feeling like oh I'll get into this whole world because they've promised me I'll be protected but like the family and the institution are two very different things and she felt like throughout the course of being there that she wasn't protected and so the the backlash to this interview has been very interesting in the different perspectives and how you know it's national news that or international news rather that prince william like commented on it briefly you know just because of the the level of scrutiny and we were talking about this before we started recording but my grandmother is british so my grandparents i should say are british and so i was i grew up with that being something with like a a limited understanding of the significance and importance that the royal family plays to the entire commonwealth of, you know, the British or the UK, whatever. So Megan talks about that in the interview. She's like, we think that like, oh, there's celebrities. And like, I didn't really know. She's like, but you have no idea like what it's like for British people, not to mention what it's like to be even in proximity to the royal family. So hmm. thoughts? Anyone want to dish? So like when your when your grandparents were hearing this interview, did their monocles fall directly into their cups of tea? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say where my grandparents were, but neither of them heard the interview. <laughs> one That'd of them is dead and one oh. of them is dead and one of them is um confused in a nursing home so they didn't see the interview but my grandmother totally would have watched it and in fact when uh William and Kate got married she 
got up at like four in the morning to watch it or whatever time and then cried through it the first time and then watched it on the rebroadcast and was able to finally like see what happened. I was there. Um, I was actually in London when William and Kate got married. Um, but all I remember is that I took acid and went and saw Thor 2. So <laughs> I can't really speak to whether it was cool or not. When in Rome, you know. Uh, yeah. Great movie, though. You got to do that. Everyone does that You when you visit London. You got to do acid and see Thor 2. It's the yeah. thing to do. Yeah, God um, save the queen. Yeah. Well, it's like, so, yeah, their their wedding was obviously like in our time before the Diana um, or after the, well, after the Diana Charles thing, but of course, like Harry references that several times in his, in the interview, like talking about, like, I was watching history repeated press scrutinizing. And, oh, and the other big thing was that Meghan Markle came out and said that she had during her pregnancy, suicidal thoughts, and she had never had suicidal thoughts before, knew that something was wrong, was very scared, talked to Harry about it. It was like, you know, it was embarrassing to even say out loud because like, it's just not me. It's not who I am, but had felt so isolated, all this stuff. And like, never saw any of the tabloids or anything, but was feeling so isolated because she's like, not allowed to do anything. She's like, yeah, you don't, you can't like pick up your keys and go out. So apparently she asked for help. She asked for like mental health treatment and they refused her. And she like even went to HR and they were like, well, you don't work for the institution. So we can't like- The real family has an HR? The institution has a, oh, you gotta watch this interview, all the little, like, yeah. they like really blow up the like nuts and bolts of how it works right. to, to the degree that they can. I mean, I'm sure it's much more complex, but it's not as romantic um, when you break down like that. <laughs> there's an accountant working, you know, in the Royal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is nothing that a few beanie babies can't smooth over, over to be completely honest. Like, I think <laughs> if you get when Megan gets hers and the, the prince gets his, I think, uh, honestly, the whole thing will be fine. Um, there's precedent for that. But it is interesting to me, too, about how just the level of celebrity that is that we could never comprehend in that it would be as if like. I'm the only old actor I could think of is John Wilkes Booth for some reason who he was, you know, John Wilkes Booth was like the George Clooney of his time. He was a very famous actor. Um, So I'm sure there's an older one, but that's my reference. So forget that he killed a president. Just think about his acting acumen where uh, if like some old actor from like the 1700s still had a family and like were successfully acting in the biggest movies 300 years later like that is kind of the level of royal and they all like fucked each other i guess you would add that in there too but um so picture that but But also like ruled over i mean it's just the the monarchy it's hard to comprehend yeah and like the Manning, fa- like Peyton Manning and his dad and his brother are like the closest <laughs> we have <laughs> to the royal family. <laughs> for you, that's like knowing what a sports fan you are, you're wearing a Flyers jersey mm-hmm. right now. Um, for you, that's a very topical reference. Only reference I, I, I got can pull it. from. Thank kind you. Kind of. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really, it's a crazy like thing that I, like, so my grandmother, my grandfather was the president of the Philadelphia British Legion for many years. Ooh. And so it's like a social club. I thought I knew him from somewhere. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. Tory <laughs> shit to me. Um, so when the bicentennial happened in Philadelphia and the queen came to Philadelphia, they were like invited to her, to a party for her, like the, you know, the members of the British Legion. So my grandmother talks about like being bussed into the art museum and like people waving and thinking, and she's like waving out the window. Like she like, is famous, but like they got to go she's back doing in. the Rocky thing. Yeah, she's like waving out the window, like hi. Like they don't know who's in there. Um, and then she was talking about how this is like a big memory for her that she's stuck on. Um, so they were in the like receiving line, and they talked to Prince Philip, her husband. And then as the queen turned to them, some American woman, my grandmother likes to point out that she was American and not English, <laughs> like spoke over her to the queen. And um, so she never got to formally greet the queen, but she was like right next to her. She they might have shaken, like had a handshake. She said hello to Prince Philip, and it, you know they introduced themselves. So that was cool. So but yeah, that's like the queen, right? Like you can't. Didn't a president like Bush or Obama put their, you know, the same guy? Doesn't uh, she shake hands with people? I think she shakes hands with people, or used to. Interesting. All right, maybe I'm wrong. She'll do rock paper scissors. She'll do yeah. one round of rock. That paper she'll scissors. do. Yes. <laughs> no more, no less. And you have to let her win. 
okay. You know, it's funny. It's, it, the whole thing reminds me of we were talking a few weeks ago about that Britney Spears documentary. I mean, just in mm-hmm. terms of the paparazzi and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that sure. definitely intersects with the Diana stuff, kind of a similar time frame. And then my other point was just there's a great photo of uh, I think Princess Diana came to Philly or something. She's in like an Eagles jacket. There's really? Like a photo of, there's like a great photo oh, of her wearing great. like an Eagles, like a uh, like a Letterman jacket almost. It's great. Okay, we're gonna post that on the on the Instagram tomorrow. It's yeah. my favorite picture, and I wish I was kidding. <laughs> I have yeah. a favorite picture, and it's that one. I have a favorite picture too. It's a Polaroid of. Pete Davidson and Hillary Clinton. I That's just, a good like, one. Yeah, I saw it. Anyway, different story for a different Saint time. James. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna post the Philly Princess Di picture and on to the next story. Dun dun dun! Vaccine line jumping. It's happening. It's terrible. Blake's gonna tell us about it. So here's it's okay. So the, the vaccine line jumping, essentially what's happening is that uh, in order to get a vaccine, it's all done online essentially, or like just a massive percentage is done online. So mm-hmm. um, the issue is that a lot of the people who are in the first tiers, T I E R S um, mm-hmm. it, the first tires is mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> people who are uh, can't use the internet. So what you have mm-hmm. is a lot of young people who are using the type of skills that you would use to like get tickets to a concert or like if the new Jordans drop, you know, like they're using like bots to get these vaccine appointments. Mm-hmm. And oh, they're using bots. Some people are using bots, and the local governments and these government websites don't have the infrastructure or IT to stop people from doing this. And it's not just, so that's like the most devious is like, you know, a perfectly healthy younger person can now get these vaccines because they don't really check that hard in a lot of these places. And they're just trying to get as many people, you know, vaccinated as possible. So what's happening Mm -hmm. is that people who are in the tiers that are supposed to be getting it are like getting pushed down essentially. So um, I'm sure like a lot of your parents probably have had an issue where you've had to like make an appointment for your parents because they don't know how to do it. And like, let alone grandparents or, you know, people or like myself, if I was to (laughs) to try to get one, I'm sure I couldn't figure it out. So um, yeah, so there's this thing where it's, that's a huge issue. And now they're starting to at least figure out you know, like online to stop at least even like jurisdictionally where if you're coming from a county, say you live in Chester County, the vaccines are in Philadelphia are only for people generally who live in Philadelphia in a lot of these cases. So you have people taking it's and that's like the least of their worries, really, you know, if you deserve a vaccine, you should be able to cross any line. But um, it's interesting to me. So I wanted to kind of start a, a discourse, a discussion, and then obviously jumping like a line is bad. But um, then I'm hearing things to where. And by the way, let me just let me just say that. But I feel like there are some. In, so here's my question to you guys: Do you fault people for doing it when you when the system's that bad? And maybe that is the case where like, hey, system's bad. You should be on your best behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Or then you hear a lot of these appointments people aren't showing up for and like, you know, tons of vaccines are being thrown away as well. And because of the nature of the vaccine, it has to be frozen, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I've read articles as well where while you shouldn't jump the line, um, the goal is to get everybody vaccinated. Does that yeah. make sense? So yeah. it's not, so I guess my point is this doesn't, this to me, jumping the line, you shouldn't do it, but this doesn't seem like as big of a no, no, as it would be to me. If like, this is like a, you spend a year in jail sort of thing, not 20 to life. Does that make oh, sense? Like, I agree. I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. One of the things that I read said, you know, for some places they're doing it on the honor system. They know right. they have no way of checking. And so the onus is on the residents to, you know, be, online and do what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, but apparently a couple times and I think it was in Washington state somewhere, um, people got, so people were told they could put in for an appointment, even if they weren't eligible just to be on the list Mm -hmm. and their names started getting pulled. So this guy was like, I don't know why I'm here. Like I hit other, like I'm not in the category. 
And then I got an email saying, you have an appointment for either this time or this time. Like, so I took it because why wouldn't I? I think if it's something like that or what you were saying about like the freezers, like I know I've read stories about, okay, a freezer broke or they have extras. Mm -hmm. And so they put out a call and like the local news come to this site. I'm all for that. Like if you're in that situation, but if you're intentionally choosing to take a vaccine. Perfectly healthy person. When, yeah, like I read something about in Pasadena, California, like there was a mass COVID-19 vaccination site. And then like tons of ineligible workers from like soap operas and like, um, and production and, and agents. I know people who tried to do that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, like when, up. and when the worst who don't people. live there, who don't live there, went there to get the vaccines. And so like, um, basically, you know, it's, I just think, I think it's morally wrong and punishable by a minor offense, by a minor yeah, sentence. Misdemeanor or, something, or whatever. Yeah, I think, I agree. I think the fix for this is to better improve the, like, standby line, you know, where obviously that's mm. an issue of having massive amounts of people congregate during a pandemic. But if all of these things are going to waste you know, like, or even if there aren't, then what, even if it's two shots to have a standby line of people, you know, who are willing to wait outside and like maybe get one. I, mm -hmm. to me, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like if these things are going to go to waste at the end of the day, just shoot them into people and start getting, you know, like more herd immunity. If they're going to go to waste, you know, are vaccines getting wasted? Is that a yeah. big issue? Yeah. Max, did you know about this? And, and I don't think it's like, it's not like 60% of them are like, you know, but there are, you know, like my good friend, she was working at one of these vac sites. She's like a, a nurse and she was like, yeah, uh -huh. you know, a hundred, like a couple hundred each day, you know, were Damn. being thrown out. So, um, yeah, maybe there's that's anecdotal. Way, I feel like there's not also a way to like be in that there isn't like a standby area or anything. So like, if you mm -hmm. are just kind of like, like I have Lurking. Fridays off sometimes with work. So like I I would totally be down to just like hang out outside the convention center, like mm -hmm. a right or something all day. But like you don't want to be that guy that's like just kind of waiting. Like it feels weird and just like if <laughs> this is the uh, like. Yeah. But it's also these people that are cutting the line. Like, yeah, they, they suck ass and uh, they should eat a uh, raw egg. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. these are also the people that if they're like trying to jump the line and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a big intersection of people that have been like breaking quarantine a lot and like really of being course. risky for no reason. So it's like, okay, if these people that have been partially responsible for this pandemic dragging on so long, let's just jab them. Let's let them go hang out yeah. at a bar and like, like that's, funny. that's just a way to keep the, like that's a high risk group. Like, Fucking yeah, that's interesting. You're inoculating the more so. I, I that's really really interesting. You're not you're rewarding people for being assholes, but at the same time, in the greater good, it's like they're they're the ones getting yeah. everybody sick. <laughs> Just yeah, no, like, it I is. Know. That's I a good. That's a good argument. Line, but I'm mm -hmm. not gonna like. I'm trying to like see yeah. if I can okay, finagle, like oh, if I'm in one B or one C, like it's hard to tell exactly where I I land. But like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep sitting around. But like whoever these people are like yeah that there's nothing wrong with them they're already morally compromised people it seems <laughs> not their immune system so like yeah just get them in and out <laughs> fuck it that is funny that like one of the boxes that you can check is morally compromised like on the mm -hmm. thing it's like <laughs> oh are you a smoker do you have a high bmi are you morally compromised then you can you can come right in if you if you have no no more no conscience are you a sociopath get mm -hmm. get vaxxed for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess I'll never get it because I'm so moral. Okay. Mm. That was stupid that I said that. I will get no, the No, it's true. It's what we I'm all eligible. say. <laughs> Everyone says that about That's me. You're so immoral. You. Mm -hmm. No, so just immoral? moral. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Hell yeah. I like that. I'll take mm -hmm. that as a reputation. All right. On that note, everyone get vaccinated when it's your turn and um, help old people make appointments. Yes. Okay, so the thing I wanted to bring up was that um, second-term Republican Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, <laughs> I think he won re-election in 2018. He originally got elected, he beat Russ Feingold, who was like a big liberal in the Senate at the time. Um, 
he's kind of a Trump guy. In the beginning of the Trump era, he was sort of walking the line, but he's kind of gone full alternate reality at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But he got in some crap because I guess he was on a uh, some conservative like radio show, and he basically was saying that um, what's the the actual quote is that well I'll get he was saying that uh, at the January sixth insurrection, which we now know was populated by a bunch of white supremacists, oath keepers, all these people mm-hmm. that were obviously inspired by Trump and the shit he's been saying for four years. Uh, Senator Johnson was saying on the show that he he didn't feel threatened by them, and that he would have felt threatened. Um, if it was, he said, uh, had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election and those were tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters, Mm. I might have been a little concerned. So it's like the weird sort of like internal logic of this statement. Like he's sort of acknowledging that Trump didn't actually win, but like. Which is insane that we're like, thanks for doing that. Well, he's one of the people that voted to like decertify stuff. I mean, he was the one that, it was like in December or something. He he yeah. he kind of was like, well, I'm not going to vote for anything, and you know there has to be evidence of fraud. And then like he did. I mean, he's a complete you know scam artist. But it's just interesting to see. Um, he's up for re-election in 2022, so this next cycle, mm-hmm. he hasn't said whether he's going to run again. Um, he's kind of said now that he, he's leaning towards not. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I mean, as you see, like. January 6th was an intersection of disinformation and reality, right? The, the disinformation of four years and the big lie that they had been pushing on the far right um, mm-hmm. intersected with the reality that Joe Biden was being sworn in and given the powers of the presidency right. after a legitimate election. So what Johnson's doing, it's it's interesting when you think about what his interests are. It's like, especially if he's not running again, why go down this path so much and why push these lies to this extent? I mean, I think at the first hearing about January 6th, he was pushing this Antifa thing as well. I think Senator Klobuchar had to come in and like correct the record. Um, yeah. And he also, he's pushed theories that it was like secret undercover Antifa people that were there to make Trump look bad and all this stuff. Oh, and yeah. at that hearing about January 6th, uh, FBI director, Chris Ray, who was appointed by Trump was like, there's no evidence that any of this yeah, yeah, yeah. happened. So, I mean, they're just so deep down the, the rabbit hole of this disinformation alternate reality world Um, I don't know. I mean, I've honestly been trying to unpack sort of what the move is there. But again, it'll be at some point um, this this disinformation and the big lie stuff that Johnson and people like him are supporting is going to intersect with reality again. Yeah, people are going to die. I mean, five people were killed. And and the other thing and then I'll, you know, let open up for you guys think about this. But Johnson said in the same interview that um, that he was he saw the people marching the Capitol um, were, quote, people that love this country, that truly yeah. respect law enforcement, would never do anything to break the law. And so I wasn't concerned, which is just, I mean, completely in your face gaslighting. I mean, they killed a cop. They killed like like five people died. One of the protesters died. Um, well, and also like it's funny because sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's OK. I mean, it's just it's it's so crazy. The bold face lie, you know, I mean, especially from someone who's not running for re-election. So you're not really sure what the. You know. Right. What the motives are for saying that. Yeah. Other than you're just so deep now that you, you know, you can make a career. You have 20% of the people you can make a radio show, you know, you can keep yeah. going. Well, representative Ted Lou of California tweeted. Um, I reviewed many of the videos and statements we submitted during the impeachment trial. The mob murdered a police officer and injured 140 others. Lou wrote, they would have you hurt if they, or no, they would have hurt you if they got their hands on you. That's why senators hid that day. Remember like, like the idea that you weren't scared is also insane because you weren't walking down the hallway like, yo, guys, what's up? Keep doing what you're doing. Like you just are proud Americans. You were like cowering under a desk in your office like they were beating right. like people up. It's just insane. So they're taking the mask off now. I mean, more than ever, they're mm-hmm. just saying like because really what he's saying is, OK, they could have gotten in and killed a bunch of people and, you know, the and hurt a bunch of Democrats or whoever, but I would have been fine because I'm Ron Johnson and I'm a white supremacist just like them. I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. what the message is. And the fact that he feels emboldened enough to say it is so crazy to me, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not surprising, you know. That's what Ayanna Presley said the same thing on some morning show. She was like, yeah, I, it's damning commentary, but certainly not surprising. That's the quote from her. So, um, yeah, I mean, Max, you're so good at the election. Like you, you know, you follow the races and stuff. So it's interesting to hear your projections like that. And and you know, it's scary because like 
I try to stay like, okay, let's focus on what's happening now, but it's, it's all, everything's so calculated. So, um, there's certainly yeah. the midterms are, well, and, and we're going to get into the stimulus bill in just a second, but you know, that's certainly the midterms are looming over everything Biden's doing right now. So, you know, we definitely, um, well, we'll get into that in a second, but yeah. well, he's not, he's not running until he can prove that he can corner the white supremacist far right vote. And I think that's what he's doing is that if you think that Ron Johnson's people aren't putting out a poll, you know, like an internal poll with people in his, like with his constituents after saying something like that and seeing how many of them agree mm. with what he's saying, you know, like I think people, yeah. when that's they a good, say that's a good point, Blake, I didn't think about that, but yeah, like trying to feel out that, yeah, well, it's like Stay it's like when a primary when people say like, you know, politicians say, like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to run or not. You know, like that's like like a comedian saying like, oh, you know, like I'll, I'll leave you with this where it's like, no, you'll leave <laughs> us when you think you got a good joke in. You know what I mean? So if someone yeah. like, I'll leave you with this, like, all right, one more, you know, like and you keep yeah. on. You finally find the right one. Hopefully, uh, I'm still looking for the right one. But with <laughs> him, I think that like, you know, he's not running unless he thinks he can win in which case like there's no way in hell because how old is he what is he in his late 60s i don't know and yeah but you want to know something interesting like a week ago so this interview was like yesterday i think or like early this morning two days yeah yeah but there but five days ago the washington post had an op-ed that said what has gotten into ron johnson and i read it earlier and apparently he used to be this is before the interview they were commenting on how like nut job he's been. And apparently when he started in politics, like 10 years ago, he was a conservative, but he was a super like wall street market focused conservative. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they were like, people were saying like, this is even weirder because he like is a businessman and like, you know, it's not, it doesn't add up with kind of who he was the last couple of years have really, I mean, it's the Trump era. So there you go. But, um, but, but yeah, anyway. All right. Well, Oh, was, oh was go just, ahead, Max. Sorry. Hold one on. more. Just, I, I think no. it does connect. I think that um, Blake brings up a really good point, and I think it absolutely could be. Thank you, and that's all we have to say. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> to, I just want to give mad props to Blake. No, but uh, it could definitely be Johnson saying those things to stave off a primary challenger from the right. But I, I think the one reason why I think he could actually be retiring or that it's relevant and worth bringing up is that there's a bunch of GOP senators retiring, and they have like kind of a challenging map in 2022, like Burr's North Carolina, Toomey in Pennsylvania. Portman in Ohio and Roy Blunt in Missouri, Richard Shelby in Alabama. So like there is this big wave of people and it's so close that you feel like, you know, if they, if they felt they could regain the majority, a lot of these people would have stayed in probably. So I, I don't know they, the, you just look at their moves. And in my opinion, it, it seems as though they're more pessimistic than current. You know, what do they know that we don't know about what's coming down the pike? Like, why would you give up a seat in Missouri like Roy Blunt is, or, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's something to keep an eye on. Cause as you said, like, obviously politics, we want it to be about policy and like what's going on on the ground mm -hmm. today. But like, unfortunately all the people making the decisions are living six, you know, they're living in the next election cycle already. So something mm -hmm. to keep an eye on. For sure. Well, thanks for bringing to our attention. Yeah. Roy Johnson. No, Ron Johnson sucks. And now for our final story, the big ass stimulus bill. <laughs> um, Biden signed it into law on Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know. Then he gave he a did speech. It Friday. He was supposed to do it this weekend, but I think he did it a day early. So no, I think he, he did, did it on the day that he spoke. Remember, did you watch his thing that he spoke to everybody? Mm -hmm. He spoke to the nation. I, I don't think that. that was Friday. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I There's think no way to know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we could possibly find out immediately. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, okay. So apparently I was reading this today that it's not uncommon for Democratic presidents when they first start out uh, to pass some sort of economic package. Obviously, COVID was, this COVID package is above and beyond what any Democratic president yeah, I mean, obviously, Obama came in during the uh, economic crisis, but COVID is a, a certainly a different beast. And so, um, you know, Biden has been very focused on doing it, going big and really wanted to, I think, get as much as he could in there. And so I've been reading a little bit about about 
the details of it. Obviously, there's the $1,400 stimulus checks and there was all the discussion about the minimum wage. And unfortunately, it wasn't in the bill. But the amount of stuff that's in this bill is really remarkable. And the more I read about it, the more my understanding is that this is like not a warm up, but like this is the he's laying the groundwork a for like an economic recovery and to help the nation. But apparently he also has this build back better proposal that he's eventually going to make. And so the success of this bill, and I think part of the reason he like pushed to go big was um, not only because we needed it, but also to set the foundation for hopefully more legislative reforms, which if you remember, the Trump administration didn't do a lot legislatively, did a lot by executive order. So um, I think that makes me feel encouraged because even if we have control of the Senate for two years, like the more we get done, the better. Um, and I definitely want to open it up and talk about the bill. But, you know, um, my initial observations and, and from what I've read is that this is like one of the most progressive bills, economic bills that's been passed in, you know, decades. So it also so in addition to the stimulus payments, like extends unemployment and it extends um, food stamps, debt relief for renters. And then there's like healthcare subsidies um, and a bunch of money for state and local governments. And the amount for state and local governments is such a large in they're calling it an investment because it's not just filling the gaps in their budgets. It's giving them a, I don't want to say a surplus, but it's giving them an extra amount so that they can really do more than just survive, which is great. That's I think a great thing. And it's really remarkable. This is like not something that happens often. Um, the person that was interviewed for this article said the total amount was more than quadruple what's needed to plug state and local budget holes through next summer. This bill is like, a, like I said before, a historic investment in local government. So um, open for thoughts, guys. What do you think? Oh, and the child tax credit. Wait, before I open it for thoughts, the child tax credit, which is already in existence in the Internal Revenue Code, has been expanded. Uh, I'm not going to do the tax policy nerd shit that I do sometimes, but um, this is a very good thing and a very uh, effective measure for combating poverty in America is through tax credits. So with that, opening it up. I read something about how it was supposed to cut child poverty in half, which is huge. So, you know, I certainly have, obviously, like you were saying, there's stuff that was left out, but it's not, yeah, I think it's naive people that were like, are upset about it too much for your like, it's such a narrow majority and they put so much into the economy and they seem really, um, they really want to avoid uh, the communications mistake that Obama made where like they didn't really push it. Like Biden himself said, he's like, Obama was too humble about, you know, the Affordable Care Act and stuff. So they're going to try to, I think they already have cabinet members that are out. Like I know Buttigieg is on TV, Secretary Janet Yellen, and Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see how they communicate this. Because I think it's possible to have like an era, especially after Trump, it's like such a huge opportunity um, for Dems to really like kind of own the future. So, it's And it's cool to see the focus, like even of his speech the other night was not shitting on Trump. Like he's literally, he's been so focused on like moving forward, we're doing this. And I think part of his justification for this huge bill is going to be that there wasn't much in place. And like, but I also think he's going to walk that line really carefully. Like you said, Max, like how he presents it is just super important, but I heard the same thing that there's going to be in this week, like a media blitz basically where they're coming on to talk about the bill. And part of that is, I think, um, because this legislation is like already pretty popular and apparently Chris Wallace had I forget who a Democrat on Fox news and was like, why do you not want this? Why do you think that this bill is not good? Like so many people like it. And he was like, Oh, well, we didn't want this, this, and this. And like, you know, there's always going to be something in the bill that Republicans can cling to. So I think it's super effective to go out and explain because then they're essentially potentially debunking in advance. Some of the, the sound bites that, um, you know, Republicans will cling on to like, oh, we didn't want this. And the more they can justify the policy decisions for why something is included in the bill, I think the better that reflects on their legislative agenda. Yeah, I, I just think you just can't fucking win, <laughs> you know, like no matter what you do. <laughs> yep. And I'm with Max where it's like, God, this is the, ch- you know, a chance for Democrats to 
we we control every single other than the court every single part of government right now you know and it's still and you know like hannah I agree with federal you. government federal government and Big difference yeah sorry federal government and it's just but even with that where it's you know it's not just from republicans that you hear them talking shit on the bill it's democrats as well you know mm-hmm. and it's the issue and you know max was alluding to it with like conservatives where you have these far-right trump conservatives then you have these finance you know like uh like a fiscal cons- conservatives who might actually be a little more close to center on social issues but you know mm-hmm. it's all about money for them and we can fucking talk about the morals of that but um i mean i guess we can't because we don't have enough time but Mm-mm. you know we also have the same issues in the democratic party where you know we have like the aocs and like the bernies of the world and the, then you the have factions. a biden yeah the, the fact where biden's you know closer to center and it's like god damn it this is such a great bill there's so, there's something in there for every like literally mm-hmm. we weren't able to get you know um minimum wage passed but that doesn't mean it can't be passed in the future please like just celebrate a fucking democratic win for once and also yeah goddamn conservatives you're giving smaller government local government more money like, isn't that you want is that what you want for a federal government not con- not to control every one of your goddamn yeah. affairs like they're making government a little i mean obviously that's a hard sell when you're passing a 1.9 trillion dollar bill that you're making government smaller but um it is uh, you just can't fucking win it it's a bummer well so. when you say you hear democrats saying that are you hearing you're probably not you're referring to like democratic constituents, right? Because I've, I, at least in my experience, I've seen a lot of, uh, whether it's forced or not, uh, Democrat unity on the bill. It's represent, it's not senators, right? It's, it's not senators. It's like members. Yeah. yeah, House members say whatever the fuck they want. Of course. Cause there's a million of them. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many of them. Uh, that's oversimplifying, uh, government, but yeah, there's a million fucking representatives that you can't keep track of them all. Who knows how many are voting, but, um, Hmm. yeah, no, it is, it is just like, it would be nice to pick up a couple wins, you know, and this is a longer conversation, but it's like for the democratic party, what is, and by the way, I don't know the answer to this, but I've, I've voted for Bernie multiple times, but this is coming from someone that far left. But it's like, when do you start getting like achievable wins and sacrificing? When is it OK to sacrifice certain progressive agendas to get wins that incrementally make things better? And I understand that that's a shitty thing to say for a lot of people who aren't being helped as much as they need to be. But I don't know. I, I think it's OK for Democrats to accept a win every once in a while. I say that. I say that a lot, Blake. I, I say. Um, I agree with you that like, sometimes we should just, I think I said that a couple of weeks ago about cool. something or other where I'm just like, we should just be chill about this. Yeah. Take, enjoy take it. a I win. Don't know. I say, if forward. I'm saying we should be chill about something, then that's, that's pretty telling. No, right. I don't know. Uh, Max jump in our resident progressive I'm... bad boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm so now I'm, no, in a good way. I meant in a good way. No, no, no. It's nice. I feel good. I'm a little bad boy. Um, I'm jealous of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, I, I think it's such an opportunity. Like I, so I was fortunate enough to be able to get my first vaccine shot at this like clinic thing. And um, what I would That's say great. is like the, the feeling there was, I'm trying to tie it into this larger thing. I was like, just being helped by an organized community is so yeah. strange after after five years of, and again, I, I know there are people in, in groups that are not going to feel it and there's so mm-hmm. much work to be done, but it did feel just, um, it kind of affected me in a deep way where, you know, it was like all these volunteers and pe- members of the community that had come together and they had all the sheets for like, if you didn't speak this language, they would translate it. And, you know, there was an older guy who was, had a translator who was helping him get access to this thing. And you're like, it's such, I mean, beyond the moral thing that it's great that people are getting help. It's also like, if this COVID if this big stimulus bill that they're passing, that's sending so much money to help the vaccine vaccine efforts, if it reminds people like, hey, you know, organized humans can actually do things that are uh, kind of uh, easy for you. Like I didn't have to sign shit really. I just had to show up. Everyone was really mm-hmm. helpful and I just got healthcare. You know, I mean, it's like, it's such an opportunity for progressives, I think too, to be like, this is what all healthcare should be like. You know, this is yeah. what Medicare for all could do is like, it was a very unifying kind of thing. And I, I, I know there are a lot of groups that aren't going to get it, but I just, mm-hmm. um, it's politically totally. it's an opportunity to be like, man, what if, 
what if there was more of this energy in society, you know? And I think, no, I, I, I agree hope with you. That, you know? Sorry, like, oh, good things are possible. It was just so <laughs> crazy. Like, seriously, I was sitting there, I was like, I don't have to like sign a thing or like, they're not going to like, Trump's not going to tweet that it was actually nanobots and they're in my arm now. Yeah. And shit. Like it might be Bill Gates nanobots. That's a whole other thing. But, well, uh, we have to wrap up yeah. soon. But one thing I wanted to say was uh, I felt the same way, Max, watching Biden's speech. Like I was like a president is like the president of the United States is like comforting us right now. Like, remember when that was a thing? Remember when like bad things happened and you look to leadership to not make it worse? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know yeah. it sounds I know it sounds like so elementary, but it's like I literally there is power in the president telling you things are going to be okay. And like hearing him, not only that, but hearing him like also mourn and like, and empathize on this like large scale of how much he's like, you know, detailed different kinds of losses that people experience. I was of course sobbing through the whole thing, but um, just the beginning, but no, it just like, I had that feeling too, Max of like, remember that like things this can he can't the president can be someone that's like actually helpful and comforting in times of need like oh yeah remember why people in like wars loved winston churchill and fdr like these people were good leaders that made them feel a little safer that's cool anyway on that note um any last thoughts about any of the things we discussed today this is like a pretty rapid fire episode i had fun did you guys have fun i had a great time yeah you're all great and i hope everyone has a great week and um we'll be back next week with more thoughts slash news this has been keep you posted hosted and executive produced by hannah trav produced and edited by me ross wiseman our art and logo is by Kristen finger and our music by graham trav for a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com.